Leslie, bringing you your weekly dose of horror. I almost said deadly. Daily. Oh, well, you come Deadly. And today we have bum, Dustin. Yay. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, this journey into the West. Whoa, what did we just watch? What did we watch? Depressing <laughs> journey into the West. Yeah, it's a depressing journey into Brimstone oh. from 2016, written and directed by Martin Coolhoven. Coolhoven. From the moment the new Reverend climbs the pulpit, Liz knows she and her family are in great danger. It was a downer. It was mm-hmm. definitely tough. This mm-hmm. was a, I think. First of all, the first Western that we have on this podcast, yes. which is exciting. And also one of the more depressing and just like tough rides, I think, that yes. we've gone Very through. Very bleak. Um, just fair warning to everybody. There's sexual abuse, child abuse. Uh, murder. Murder. Um, but yeah. It's uh, so Lots of intestinal hanging, yes, incest, incest, um, like everything because this is the wild, wild west, baby. Oh, it's wild. I like rocked the boat. It certainly was wild. Um, and I mean, I think that was kind of the point, unfortunately, for us. So glad you know, when people ask you, like, what era would you like to like live in, and you didn't live in this one, Mm -hmm. I don't want to live in any other one. Oh, no, I no. would not survive. In no, the West absolutely at all. not. First of all, I'm a woman, and you all saw how women mm-hmm. were treated. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm a person of color, so uh, you know. Also, God it must have been so cold. Yeah, like, all those winters, and like no one has eating. Like even in the summer, I'm sure it was freezing cold. So that on top, like all the elements of the Wild West that seem terrible, on top of having a psycho priest run around and like hunt you for your entire life. So rough stuff. Rough, rough. stuff. Rough. Woof. Oh, but Lord. I guess let's get let's into it. Get let's start breaking it. it down. <laughs> let's start with the can, which mm-hmm. is the f- actual filmmaking uh, of this movie. And I, uh, to me, I thought it was actually a very pretty film. Yeah. yeah. It was, I it, agree. it, it, brought up all those kind of classic Western tropes, uh, especially with the landscape shots. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of farms. We saw a lot of desert, huge, long, wide shots. Also a lot of uh, moving shots, kind of uh, like tracking in or panning across Mm -hmm. that you also see in a lot of Western shots or or a a lot of Western movies. So it definitely invoked the West for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I feel like um, since one of the characters is mute for a large portion, mm-hmm. you see a lot of camera work kind of punctuate that. So um, I thought that was a kind of fun way to to tell like her inner thoughts throughout those sections of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that we got introduced to Dakota's um, uh, character by having her little daughter be speaking for her. I thought that was just like really cute and a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And... 
that definitely is another strong aspect of the filmmaking, which is the acting in this movie. I mean, especially for Dakota Fanning, who for the majority of it doesn't talk. Uh, we really have to understand what's going on in her head. And I mean, Dakota Fanning from a young age has always been able to do that. She's so natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting that we have Dakota Fanning now as an adult playing an adult character. She has a daughter who is probably as good of an actor as she was when yeah. she was young. Yes, so I'm I like, agree. damn, we got like the both generations. <laughs> who knows what this little girl is going to grow up and yeah. do. Um, but yeah, that was a definite strong point. And I mean, Guy Pierce as well was fucking hateable. Oh man. Oh, yeah. uh, man. Especially in the first act, there was a part of me that kind of wasn't fully for him because it was almost like he was supernaturally powerful like Jason yeah. but by the second act and it starts telling the lore and then just to treat him like that is this unrelenting force I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. especially for a western because there's violence in the movie that's very realistic but mm-hmm. his presence was always very like uh, it, it kind of like Jason that's just what it was reminded yep. me of. I mean absolutely and uh, how they were shooting him too was yeah. these low angle especially that first scene when he walks in to the church we're following low angle behind him. Everyone's eyes are up at him, except Dakota Fanning's. And he just has that power. And he he delivers that first sermon about false prophets hiding in sheep's wool. And everyone is just taken with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the new he's the new holy man in town. I mean, it was the classic sounds of the boots hitting the wood of just in the spurs, you mm-hmm. know. Oh yeah. And she recognized his voice immediately. Because what you said, her back was turned again, which you don't do that in church, by the way. I don't know if you guys were raised mm. Catholic or mm. in religion, uh-huh. but you do not turn your back on the 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 podium mm. because that is where the cross is at. You know, you don't turn your back on the cross. Mm. So for the fact that she was doing that because she was wiping her kid's mouth and then she heard it was just at, uh, we're like, who is he? Oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and this movie does a really good job now thinking about how the actual story is laid out. First of all, it's in chapters. Mm-hmm. We have four chapters that the story is told in, each one revealing more and more about the character's past and therefore their you know motivations and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then in that first act, though, they do such a good job of... To me, I was like, I know they're trying to build up Guy Pierce as this bad, bad guy, but there's this mystery of who Dakota Fanning yeah. is, what her past is. We know they know each other. We don't know how. I, for a little bit, was like, maybe she's the bad guy. We don't know. I didn't know who to trust. Mm. That first act was a kind of who done it game for me in my head of like, okay, who's the real bad guy here? I can't tell yet. Mm-hmm. It becomes very clear. Oh yeah, oh. So, sure, for sure. Oh yeah. But uh, I liked that part of the movie. That idea that each chapter we get revealed more about these characters, and you love more some more, and you hate some more as you learn. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it contributed to like an interesting editing pace too, because it has yes. some like almost like how a short film is structured, like the way you gotta like satisfy, deliver in these kind of waves for the chapter arrangement. So I thought that was fun, like mm-hmm. TV style almost. You have a, oh, what's going on next? Or you, oh, now I can connect this. Like at least like every 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Or at least that's how it felt. No, definitely. Because like when you enter the 
second chapter, you get revealed. You like go back to her past. And at first you're like, who is this little girl? And then she gets picked up and then brought to a brothel. Um, sold to the brothel, actually. And then you start realizing, oh, okay, yes, this is who... Uh, this is the kind of atmosphere she grows up mm -hmm. in. And how are we going to get to the first part? And then the third chapter, we get revealed a whole new different character mm -hmm. that we're just like, and what is this again? <laughs> like, yeah, we go even farther into the past. Yeah. yeah. And that reveals what brought her to that brothel. Also, more so of Guy Pierce, that he is kind of this like religious fanatic that seems like has been ostracized from some sort of community because his religious ideals are too extreme. So he's like almost determining his own Bible or his own gospel oh, yeah. within this town. And he has all the power. Well, and he... it's all about men having power over women too. Mm hmm like and then and then hiding behind religion mm -hmm. um and i mean he kept saying the words i'm a doomed man and i think it's because <laughs> what he was trying to say is a, he's a pedophile and that i think that is what he got outcasted for mm. people weren't like cool with him trying to marry a little girl good and on he them didn't, he didn't he didn't care how young they were. Mm -hmm. He was like, you're a woman now. Yeah, and it's and... filled with, like, so many of those characters just constantly projecting. And so whether it's, like, the guy in the beginning of the film who has the despair from his child uh, or the main character, of course, being obviously with pedophile vibes to, um, I don't know, even the side characters that come in. I found that very interesting. Yeah. Whatever turmoil they have is just what they, the force they have to push back at people they encounter. Yes. And yeah. especially onto the women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of mm -hmm. society, whether it's the sex workers or their wives or their daughters, whatever's wrong in their life, I'm going to take it out on them. Yeah. I kept seeing these images that there was like repeating images that they kept going back to in the films. One of which was nooses. Mm -hmm. Nooses was a massive part. I mean, we saw um, people being hung, obviously being punished by a noose. And we saw her husband in the first part get hung by his own intestines. We saw Jon Snow later hang a guy in the bathroom. And then at the end too, she breaks free from her rope suit. Nooses and ropes were a massive mm -hmm. motif that they kept going back to. Probably talking about the binds that we put ourselves in when we um, commit to like a religion or anything. Um, rules in general. Rules. Because there were rules in the brothel. There's rules in religion. You know, there are these like testaments that you have to follow for you to be a good person or a good property of someone you know mm -hmm. um and if you break them they will there's consequences there's retribution that has to happen um and just women didn't have any rights whatsoever even though in the brothel we saw time and time again of women being mistreated and they couldn't fight back mm -hmm. they were just property they were there to please a man um and we got one of the characters one of the uh, prostitutes get um, hung because of that. She protected herself and our main character, Joanne, hmm. who is not, goes by Elizabeth at the end. Dakota Fanning. That's Dakota I, Fanning. Yeah. Let's just make it clear. But um, 
my question about these kind of script writing um, in chapters or in episodes, you know, what do you guys, do you guys like that? Do you guys find that to be kind of a, what's the word I want to use? Just kind of, not a new nuisance, but. Like repetitive? Yeah. Like, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I guess sometimes I've seen it done well and sometimes used as an excuse to like jump around, get not really have cohesion. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for this one, since you had, you know, uh, memento style, like, you Mm -hmm. know, bookended chapters where uh, you then were able to rediscover elements that you saw or or re-re-interactions, I thought that actually worked really well for it. I agree. And I think that for me, it kept it interesting too, because I was like, oh, like, what is this chapter now going to reveal about the last chapter that we saw? Um, And it never felt repetitive um, or annoying or unjustified. It felt Mm -hmm. like all three of those parts were, had their arc, had their purpose. um, And it didn't feel gimmicky. I guess it yeah, did feel gimmicky. That's, gimmicky. that's what I wanted to it, say. It yeah, didn't yeah. feel like that. It felt uh, justified. Yeah. yeah. I, I also agree. I think in this movie in particular, they did a very well job, especially because each title kept coming back to the Bible, mm-hmm. um, which related to only our villain, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess it's like the story arc of how a person can affect another individual to the point where they've completely changed mm-hmm. um, entirely. But yeah, um, there's other movies that loosely do this kind of like jumping around and labeling things. And the one that comes to mind is the Avengers where they're just like, and now we're in Spain. And it's like, ugh, I don't I care that. to like know exactly or the date when yeah. you like tell me the like, time to I don't, you don't care. Need that. It's very like CSI scene transition. Yeah. Like, Here's the beach and yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. it's like information overload that um I've talked about other movies that I just like don't quite like um when it comes to the script writing and I find it not lazy but just like unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But for this I think it was well done cuz we entered a new chapter with new information that isn't quite tied to the timeline just yet. And also thinking about the fact that this movie is so tied within religion and the Bible specifically, the Bible has chapters. So it almost seems it's justified in that way too, where the, what we're the concept that we're trying to tackle is a book. So let's put chapters in this movie too. True. Um, yeah, it, it felt good. I like it felt, even though the parts themselves felt sad, that was satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the other thing. That's how you break up just relentless, like torture yeah. and, and stuff True. like that. And then we had further breaks because we were watching it on a certain platform, um, that, uh, had ads. We so did have a good amount of advertisements, which, yeah, that broke up the, uh, the, the tension. sadness, the tension, which was <laughs> at some points nice and other points annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the end when we no longer were getting a lot of the violence, um, being like blasted at us, we're just like, oh God, I definitely needed a break at one point. Cause I was just, this is the first 
horror film that we've watched in um in the deadlights in which i cried i cried and it was brutal it was rough it was was some rough stuff well i think that i mean this movie we should probably move on to the next one which is the meat of it (laughs) uh, which is what this movie is actually talking about because there's a lot going on in this movie and i think the surface level stuff that we have is this idea of using religion um, for your own gain and for your own purposes. I mean, he's a father, he's a priest uh, that is radical and has changed his views to fit his own desires, mm-hmm. which is not very biblical. And the oh, movie starts ouch. off actually with a line, a voiceover that we later learn is Dakota Fanning's daughter speaking. She's talking about memories. And how, as time goes on, image get blurred. And then at a certain point, is it even really what happened? And they get so blurred that you don't even remember exactly what happened. And that feels a little bit like what the reverend is doing. You know, the his ideas are blurring what, and his desires are blurring what religion is actually supposed to be about to the point of it's not even recognizable as a religion anymore. He did believe that he was above everyone else and that he was some sort of prophet. And even at the end, when he gets burned up in flames and he's just standing there, I mean, he he poses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He poses. He's like, I am a prophet. And he's talking. He's doing a sermon. He's getting his flesh burned off his face. But he's still delivering this. He's a psychopath. And it was something like what? Like the worst part in hell, no one loves you? Yeah. They won't love you? No one will love you there? There's no love. It's it's an empty kind of love or something like that. Um, Yeah. What's your kind of love, dude? Not not a good one. Not a good one because he was looking at Dakota Fanning's little child and being like, she's a woman now. And she's like, Six. Yeah. And it's like you watch this character who just lives in this small town area. Like, I know she goes back to the town for thematic reasons at one point. So I don't know if it was some years and he had come. I don't, that part's a little bit strange Mm -hmm. to cut the first two chapters together. But for me, it's just showing in this world that's kind of been established by him and this belief system with the followers. It's just unrelenting. She can't get out of it no matter where she goes Mm -hmm. every time. So when she, falls in love with someone that goes down the tubes just constantly like yeah. death around the corner and so that that i just thought was so interesting the movie but it is the unrelenting part of it is just enduring that over and over but it does a good job to to mix it up and i think even stylize it where stuff that's very on the nose is almost uh like the scene where someone's own guts are hanging them uh, it's it, it takes a step back where it could be seen like as like a simplified like story or a moment or exposition for the theme but it, it was paced out really well. That was mm-hmm. one of the things that I enjoyed. So even, uh, I forget the exact name, but Jon Snow's character. Jon Snow. Yeah. <laughs> Jon Snow. It, I mean, all of his lines were pretty on the nose, but it serves really well the same way, like, you know, uh, Shakespearean grave digger comes mm-hmm. up and says a couple things on the theme. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was handled really well for showing uh, her inner turmoil. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as we went on and we went through these chapters and we met these new characters, to me, it only drove home more that all these characters are running from something. Um, Dakota Fanning, obviously running from her psycho father. Mm-hmm. Um, the the priest is definitely running from something, whether it was an old town that kind of ran him out because of his beliefs and his desires. 
uh, Kit Harrington, Jon Snow, he's running from something too. Every one of these characters is running from their pasts. Um, and eventually it always catches up with them. Mm-hmm. It isn't until the very end when she finally turns around and faces him herself that the cycle gets changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the introduction of the Jon Snow character because that chapter chronologically is the first thing that happens. Mm-hmm. So that's the youngest version of Dakota Fanning that we see, even though it's the third part. But I like the introduction of his character because everyone else that she's seen, Dakota Fanning has seen in her life, has just been telling her that she's a woman and she needs to be put in her place and she needs to serve her man. But then Kit Harrington comes in and yeah, he's a murderer. He's not a good guy and he's definitely running from something. He's a thief. He's a thief. So, but this is the one, I think probably the first guy who has actually shown some level of respect to her and shown her that she does not need to be like her mother who is very submissive to her father and that i think breaks the cycle and almost kickstarts everything that happens in dakota fanning's Mm -hmm. life for her journey through the whole thing it wasn't until the end that it kind of became clear to me like every single person that she comes across ends up dead and I mean, that's her mother, her lover, Jon Snow, her later husband, her son, her father-in-law, everybody that she comes in contact with essentially dies. And so for her character to be going through life and just seeing so much death and being around so much death and being followed by death, your crazy priest father, to me, it would almost make sense that she would think that she's cursed. There's like this moment in the first chapter where they, I think it's at some point, like call her a witch or say she needs to be burned at the stake because she killed my child or whatever. And it just seems like death has just followed her through her entire life. And so for her to think that she's cursed, I think makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. Do do you do spoilers? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, So like at the end when she sees the, the last person that she has who's come so close, her daughter... She either accepts her fate and then does get control over it by offing herself before getting brought in. But that was really the only way to end up protecting her daughter because mm-hmm. it would have continued. And so you get to yeah. see that just omnipresent death that's throughout her take control of it by the end mm-hmm. in her own way, I guess yeah. as best she can. And then yeah. there was True. that moment in the last t- 10 seconds where we see her daughter grown up with her daughter now. And then they look out into the woods kind of that idea of like is there something else out there that is going to come and get me now is this cycle actually broken we don't get an answer to that and i think that's kind of the point um but what do you think do you think that her daughter is going to escape the past that her mother uh created or is she going to get retributed as well I mean, I feel like the movie paints such a grim American frontier like landscape <laughs> that it, it it wants you to have that just, you know, omnipresent like death, like, hey, saw goods. I mean, sawmill's going good now, but yeah. we'll see. For how long? Yeah. For how long? I just finished uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. In which the character, Aang, the Avatar, needs to defeat the villain 
Um, and he, everybody keeps telling him that he's going to have to come to, it has to come to the point where he needs to kill him because it, the violence will not stop. But he doesn't want to kill him because that's, the monks taught him that violence doesn't fix things. So he, you know, discovers a new way. But what I'm saying is that violence creates more violence. Violence never truly solves anything because, yes, you took care of the reverend, but did he have a son somewhere that's going to come and, you know, seek revenge, you know? And back in the day, you could do that, you know? You could seek revenge for the death of whoever. Um, so, although, yes, we wanted the reverend to die, in all the most painful way possible. Um, I don't know. It's just me personally. I don't know if I could do that. To save my daughter? Probably yes. Probably yes. And unfortunately, I feel like with the other characters that were presented with in the movie, for example, the owner of the brothel, I mean... He had moments of kindness, but he wasn't a good dude. Like, he no. cut out that girl's tongue because she hurt a customer. And well, so also, he didn't want, he himself didn't want to be tried for, you know? Yeah. And then his reputation of the brothel goes down mm-hmm. if he doesn't get killed or, you know. I guess my point is, unfortunately, I feel like there's more reverends out there. Whether Reverend is dead, I mean, he's dead, but. There's more of them out there. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. there's some out there in the woods. Yeah. Oh, Can't escape yes. it. And Arr. it's almost like the POV from the woods just simply is even showing you like even 100 feet outside your house. So it's more not even about like that town, these other characters' lineage as much as, you know, venturing away from your home or your, mm-hmm. your place of comfort. Mm-hmm. That's what it made me feel like with that show. Well, the Reverend was Dakota Fanning's dad, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of the time, the danger is in your house you live right across from him mm-hmm. you know so it's bleak um but and scary yeah and fucking scary so how do we feel those things were presented in the movie the cook how the do they fuck? cook the meat um at least for me i felt like especially with the chapters being broken up in such a way where we got to see retribution in different forms and we got Mm -hmm. to see uh religious um persecution and religious uh radicalism in different ways to me it felt like they presented all all these ideas very well yeah Jon Snow was a little on the nose at some points but it didn't take me out of it no no not at all well he was he's a good actor too yeah Yeah. he can handle that type of like exposite like stagey sort of like dialogue yeah Yeah. it was very stagey for sure oh cowboys they're very dramatic (laughs) they are so dramatic (laughs) every time they enter a room they go how you doing (laughs) or they're just like (laughs) with their boots oh yeah so dramatic I want cowboy boots now drama queens (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so like in a sense, even Jon Snow's death was justifiable because he was a thief. Yeah. And know? a murderer. And a murderer. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And that was, his death for me was, I saw it coming. I mean, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, because he's not with her at the end. So, <laughs> um, 
it felt like that death was what then created Dakota Fanning's strong character. Because mm-hmm. she saw her, her father murder her lover. And then that, I think, in her mind, just, all right, that's it. You're not my father anymore. Mm-hmm. You are this evil force that I have to escape from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yes, he only, he came in halfway through the movie, literally an hour and a half into the movie, we are introduced to his character, which I sometimes get annoyed with in movies when they introduce such an important character so far into the movie. I'm like, oh, well, who's this guy now? But it worked for me for mm-hmm. sure in this because he felt justified. His his character and his presence felt justified for her story. Yeah, I, I feel like they, I mean, I feel like they do a good job of it because it's, think of the amount of movies that handle that sort of material. And when you're doing like unrelenting, like torture and abuse, like, uh, the yeah. movie, you know, it makes very evocative imagery. The characters are really good. So you're more so looking at faces moments after. And so I thought that that part of it did a good job while at the same time, it doesn't, you know, gloss over anything. Mm-hmm. You still, yeah. you get the impact of all that. You get the reasons, you know, why people are sacrificing for themselves, killing people for other people. Um, and so I thought it did a, a pretty good job. Like, it's so funny because my notes from the first chapter before it was revealed, there was chapter markers. I did have some more critical stuff, but then as it was fed in, I found myself like pretty being pretty relieved and, and baking this sort of material and this sort of dialogue into a Western, I thought was just as interesting in a smart way, the mm-hmm. same way that like sci-fi can bake anything in contemporary or at least some sort of conversation about mm-hmm. this type of material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna? There was a point that I was gonna make. Oh, uh, the violence. Um, it justifies it for sure. You want to? I think the movie wants you to really, really invest all of your energy into hating the Reverend. So you're gonna see the imageries that you do not want to see, or other filmmakers or producers do not want it to be released of just child brutality like we see him truly whipping the little girl before he like plans to rape her um and the the son he gets murdered and you see it i was like okay we're not gonna see it you know Mm. but no 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 we don't get breaks here we need to see how brutally evil this person is um because Unfortunately, there are people like that in our planet, you know, Um, and that to me, although I don't like seeing that kind of violence, it worked within these walls. Um, And I'm glad that they didn't shy away from it, because if you are going to see an adult's intestines being wrapped around him as he's dying why not see the other stuff? Hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, I bet, I don't know how it was in the uh, table being like, are we going to really show this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that they did. It was this weird feelings of like, this movie was so hard to get through and so hard to watch, but I enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. a lot like i really it, it's it is one of those movies that it's tough to see these things it was and it's well tough to th- told it's, it's tough to think about these things but because they presented it in such a well-crafted 
um, and real way, it it was satisfying. Um, which is weird to say about a movie it about is. you know child abuse and <laughs> because I murder. don't want to see that. I no, don't want to no. see that. No, which I wonder if because honestly, before we pulled this movie out of the bucket. Don't remember seeing a single thing about it when it was coming out. Don't know where we got this movie and put it in the bucket. Buzzfeed. 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 I'm guessing that this movie probably commercially didn't do as well because it was so full of these intense scenes that people don't want to see. Even though it is important to talk about. And Mm -hmm. if they actually watched this movie and understood why these things were being presented to us you know, you could see as it being justified. But I can definitely see the mainstream movie watcher not wanting to go see this movie at no. all. No. Sure. no. 2016, is that when it was? 2017. Yeah. Yeah, because even by then, you know, uh, whether you like them or not, but like we're, we've are we already been in superhero, you know, time for oh, years. Yeah. Like, it, it's hard for movies like that to come out, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have a huge name attached to it. I didn't recognize the writer director. Nope. Um, I don't know if either of you did. I no, didn't I didn't either. No. And it's in a Western too. In a, in the, in the late 2010s, you don't see many Westerns being made anymore. So mm-hmm. that definitely is a genre that I think people just don't really think about anymore because not many of them are being made. So when one pops up, you might just miss it because you're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think it is interesting that we have these ideas being presented in a Western form. Uh, it's, I've never seen this like in a Western movie before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was different. It was different. It was. Um, well, let's get to the thrill. The thrill. Which is what actually made this scary. And I don't know if I would actually call this a horror movie. Uh, I Definitely a thriller. I was tense and on edge pretty much the whole time <laughs> yeah. um and the scariness really just comes from the human on human violence yeah. what is what's mm-hmm. reverend gonna do next you know yeah. that's what i was thinking the whole how time how far is he gonna take it to get what he wants yeah and you see so much of it so quick that just any character like him or not it, it also is really effective and realistic the way it's all done so it also just makes you're like ooh, just any stab, even when it's the saloon owner who sucks, like you're still just like, ooh, grizzly. Just the twists, the towns, the sa- sound mm. design too. I mean, mm. made most of it because you didn't even have to see too much spillage. Mm-hmm. Um, just the realistic like effects from like the sheep and stuff uh, to just the sound design made it much more effective. Yeah. yeah. Also, the just squelches. The, yeah. And the cinematography too of just like there was a scene of her when she killed the pig goes be like behind the house or to the side of the house and then you still see the image mm-hmm. of the pig still twitching. Yeah. And I'm just like, But that oh. was more for the can than the thrill, but oh uh, this kind of you know subgenre within horror of just like man on man violence, man just being the absolute worst is the truest monster mm-hmm. in my books. It is the pinnacle of what a fucking awful person you could yeah. be. Um, scares me more than being in the ocean, which I'm already really afraid of. I mean, this is, I think, the the movies that we talk about as like, this was one of the scarier movies that we've watched on this podcast. It's always the human on human stuff. It's always the, you don't know the depravity of man. 
and how far is one man willing to go to get what he wants or get what he thinks he deserves. Um, it's scary. It's really scary. And this movie reminded me a lot of Night of the Hunter that we watched, which is about a crazy priest chasing after these two kids. Um, and a lot of the shots were very much mirroring uh, Night of the Hunter. Um, but it's the same idea. It's the same th- reason that that movie is scary, even from 1955. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that we don't know how far people are willing to take religion in order to justify their own actions. Mm-hmm. All right. And then how about the ride? The ride. The, ride, the oh overall God. ride of Brimstone. Yeah. Did everyone have fun? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I was constantly uh, intrigued. Um, mm-hmm. So where it's not maybe fun, I thought it was, I thought it was good. And I feel like nowadays, even though this is 2017, even since 2017, like seeing some good original stories and good original scripts that don't rely on like, I don't know. Well, I guess this one relies on the Bible and the first couple books of it. But <laughs> but besides that, um, that that really kept me there. And yeah. so uh, while the theme, it's not the only movie to touch on something like that, uh, what it did with it, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did feel like we've said already, it, it, it was a tough ride, but it was a satisfying ride. I mean, I felt like everything that they set up, they really fleshed out and the end... Um, kind of brought it all together and it just felt like a very circular movie and they they tied it up really nice you know yeah i mean the script is great and it looks pretty and it's touching on thematics that are just absolutely really hard to talk about and what i thought was quite hilarious and i hope that we can venture out of sugarcoating what a pedophile is do not use the words pervert we're not there anymore this is now 2023 if you want to have such a evil person you know you're creating him and then you have john snow coming in he's like you had a father who was a pervert just like you no call him what it is he's a pedophile so you know uh not shying away from the word um, in which I feel like they're still going to do because it's too, we can, we can definitely see someone getting tied by it with their in- own intestines, but we're not going to use the word pedophile because mm-hmm. Hollywood. Well, do you think they had the word pedophile in the wild west? In the wild, wild west? Yeah. I mean, I know there were pedophiles in the wild <laughs> west, but did they have that How word? How old is the word? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, good. I think that. Uh, good thought. Especially like, you know, this movie is tackling a lot of tough themes Um, and they went there. uh, They went to places, I think, that a lot of films and filmmakers are very afraid to go to. Um, And I got to give them props for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that tackling tough uh, subjects like like pedophilia and domestic violence and religious persecution those are heavy themes to come across and heavy themes to talk about. And people just want to go see a Marvel movie. Um, I think that the director of Mark, Mark cool, cool Hoven probably didn't go into this project thinking I'm going to make money off of this. Exactly. Yeah. This and is an art art piece of art for him. That's the thing too. Is like how many filmmakers and um, 
and scriptwriters want to make stories like this, but get shut down time and time again by big corporations and producers who are like, that's not going to make me money. Like, I'm not going to put my millions of dollars for you to just have a movie that's not going to be great, you know? But they did it, and it was great. Yeah. Brimstone! Brimstone! 2017. Thanks for coming on this journey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we've said multiple times. It is a tough watch, but watch it. Yeah, watch it. I would totally recommend it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you like film and you like storytelling, it's great in both those aspects, really. Um, But let's get to some Smash Pumpkin ratings. Smash Smash them up. Uh, All right. So out of five Smash Pumpkins, Dustin? What do we think about Brimstone? Oh, I don't even have any Smash Pop Pumpkin references. No, do you want you want Leslie to go first? I can go first. All right. Yeah, um, I'm curious. Yeah, uh, we go down to like point whatevers. Um, hmm. I want to say I'm gonna give this movie a solid four point seven. Four point seven. Because I just find all of what it was trying to say with every single piece of art that you do within the movie to work out so fucking great. It told the story well enough for us to be able to consume this heaviness um, in a palpable? Palpable? Palatable? Palatable? Way and my God, it's truly remarkable to see Dakota Fanning on screen and just killing it because she's why I wanted to become an actress. There you go. One of the reasons, her and Denzel Washington. Yeah, yeah. And there, there was a man on fire in this movie as well. So (laughs) that was enough. They're like, Leslie, this one's for you. <laughs> we, we know that you like gotcha. men on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no Denzel in this one, but I think that was a little bit of a nod to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He played the fire. He played the fire. Ooh. Yeah. The fire played by Oscar Denzel Washington. for that man. <laughs> yes, that performance was amazing. <laughs> what would I give it that? I would say... I would do just a smidge over 4.2. Cool. Nice. I mean, because, yeah, no, I mean, I think the only reason I don't give it something higher, because I I really did enjoy myself throughout it, Mm -hmm. is I think that, you know, the perfect scores, those are the rewatchable ones. Mm -hmm. Not not even because it's grim. There's plenty of grim rewatchable scene. But I think because it was good, it has its thing. I know it'll stick with me in a sense. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say 4.2. Nice. And a I little smashed gourd next to the yeah, <laughs> tiny little pumpkin. Um, and I got, I mean, I have to agree with with both what you're saying. It's hard to fault this movie in any of these categories because it's really ticking all the smash pumpkin criteria boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. It's I don't want to run out and necessarily watch this movie again um, just because it was so heavy. Not to say that I wouldn't see this movie again, um, but I, I can't, I, I can't fault it though for talking about themes that I don't necessarily want to think about because that's important. Um, so I think I'm going to have to give it pretty high marks as well. I think I'm going to go 
point two off on. I won't see this for a second. You yeah, know? just for one, just for <laughs> the, one second. The thing is, a lot of my favorite movies are ones that I can't dare to see again. <laughs> which is like, what does that say about me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't. Well, I can't watch it again. But I'll think about I'll it. I'll think about oh, it totally. forever. I'll think about it forever. I'm still thinking about Prisoners. I don't know if oh, you've seen that yeah. with Hugh Jackman and. John yeah. Oh God. That one will definitely stick with it's you. It's in the bucket. This one definitely will stick with I think all of us for a while. And oh, yeah. I'm definitely not going to one of those like old West towns for a while. <laughs> you I know, live in a West town. I'm sorry, Arizona. <laughs> what are you talking about? Howdy, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Learn the lessons from Dakota Fanning. Just shoot the motherfucker. <laughs> all right. Just shoot him from the start. We don't need yeah. to go four chapters deep. No. Okay. Not at all. Wow. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for yeah, coming by and so going you. on this horse ride with us uh oh boy, oh boy. uh i think the last thing that we have to do though is pick the movie for next week and as the guest you get to pick it out oh, nice. Look at that. Full of... oh wow you got a lot of... we got a lot in there i'm gonna go deep go deep yeah. so what we like to do is uh read the log line first okay and then leslie and i will try to guess what what we're watching next week all right a young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. Yeah. Oh, it follows. It follows. Nice. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. That's a good one. That's a fun one. From 2015. Oh, 2015. We're staying within oh, the 2010. Wow. It's been that long since it follows came out. Yeah. I think I saw it in theaters in 2015. Wow. That's one of those movies, and I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but just quickly, it's one of those movies where I feel like it's almost a chapter marker in horror because I feel like that movie surprised a lot of people. It's a very different kind of horror movie um, and almost like brought people into horror, I think, more. Because people that I don't, that I know don't like horror love that movie. Yeah. It, oh, wow. What was the the subgenre? Elevated horror? It's, yes. It's one of those ones where it's like, oh. it goes a little bit slower than the horror movies <laughs> nowadays like they used to. and. Yeah, <laughs> it might make you actually think about exactly. something. <laughs> but it has the one thing that horror loves: sex, sex. <laughs> and lots of it. And we'll see you next week for all of that. Wow! Woo! All right, let's get out of here. Dustin, yeah. please plug yourself. <laughs> uh, He's done. Uh, He's done. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I have. So I'm a filmmaker, and I have some strange horror movies that are free and available online to watch. So if anyone wants to indulge, uh, readyfreddyfilms.com. And thank you again so much for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Your website looks awesome. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. Thank yeah. you. Uh, well, you can follow me on Color Me Leslie. I don't know why I went Western. Well, well you can follow me too at Beep Beep Richard T and us at The Dead Lights Pod. Also check out Playground Social, which is a studio that we're recording this from. Yeah, we're right here right now. But until next time on the Western Front, <laughs> let's get <laughs> spooky. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>